0: All right good morning church. How you guys doing? you guys adjusting to the throes of school and fall and all that kind of stuff? I hope you are. My name's Ben. I'm one of the pastors here and uh, I get the joy and privilege of diving into Psalm 19 with you this morning. But before you turn there, I want you just to close your eyes. And I want you to mentally go to your favorite place on the earth. Your favorite place on the earth. Maybe you've been there, maybe you haven't, but you really want to get there. Picture it in your mind. You're sitting somewhere outside in your favorite place on the earth, looking around, just admiring the scenery, admiring everything around you. Maybe it's early in the morning and you're catching the sunrise. Maybe it's in the afternoon and you're just enjoying the glow of the sun. Maybe it's in the evening and you can see the stars. I want you mentally just to look up at the sky. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, He has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from His pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run His course." It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever, The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then will I be blameless innocent of great transgression. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God, as we dive in to your word this morning, let that mental picture just stay with us. God, let us continue to stand in awe of you simply because You are. God, just open up our hearts to what You want us to hear this morning. Let us hear from You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Welcome back. I'm sorry you're not there. Um, Hopefully you'll get there at some point. Please do open up in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 19, and we're going to spend our morning there today. Psalm chapter 19. This morning, our title, our our series title is Smitten. We're we're talking about, the, the Psalms talk about our lover, God as a lover. And this morning, we're looking at how our lover is holy. Holy is a big word. Doesn't look like much, but there's a lot to it. The dictionary defines it as exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness. There's a lot in that. And we're going to look this morning at how he's holy and how this psalm points to God's holiness. We're going to look at three different things and just walk through the psalm together. First of all, He deserves our adoration. Our lover is holy and He deserves our adoration. Uh, there's, there's two main ways that, that God has shown Himself to men. God has said, hey, I'm here. General revelation And specific revelation. Maybe you've heard of it before, maybe you haven't. Uh, General revelation is what we're going to start out talking about first. Is God just saying, Look around at creation and see that I am here? And hopefully, as as you were in your favorite place on earth, as you were sitting there looking around, hopefully you couldn't help but notice yeah, there's got to be a creator, there's got to be a designer. There's got to be somebody that put this all together. And that's what creation points towards. It says in verse 1 of Psalm 19 that the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. All of creation points to His glory. And I love looking at creation too just because there's... It's, it's so amazing how different pieces of creation appeal to different people. You know, some, some of you, I mean, you were all at very different places. You know, maybe you were looking out at a wide landscape. Maybe you were just focused on a couple of flowers. Maybe you were up in the mountains and there was just snow surrounding you. Maybe you were at the beach and just watching the ocean crash on the shore. And there's so much of creation just to look at and go, man, this really appeals to me. This really appeals to me. One part of creation that I just can't get over is just looking at these gorgeous mountain landscapes. And one of my favorite places on this earth is up at Hume Lake. Uh, I've taken kids there many times. I've gone up there for uh, pastors' retreats, youth pastors' retreats. I get to go up there not this week, but next week, for a pastor's retreat. And I'm just excited to get up there and just soak in God's creation. Uh, this picture, I was up there uh, last April, not this April, but last April, uh, uh, for a youth pastor's retreat, and uh, just couldn't sleep. I was up about four in the morning. And so I got up, grabbed my Bible, and walked over to the lake. And I, I took this shot and was just basking, in in God's creation, staring at this. Not long after, I took the, the picture that uh, is on your front cover. And uh, I was reading in the Psalms that morning uh, and and read Psalm 19 as I was sitting there. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Looked down at my Bible, looked up, and I was like, you better believe they do. <laughs> and then I had to just get a shot with with the Scripture and the scenery behind it. Uh, So this was not planned for this specific service today, but I just love being able uh, to, to share that image with you. This was late April, and later in the day, Laura took this shot. It started snowing in late April. And yes, I am wearing shorts, uh, because it's me, and I wear shorts, and yes, I am wearing sandals today. Um, <laughs> but it was just so cool to see God just say, man, okay, you enjoyed that this morning, now I'm going to give you something different this afternoon. And the next morning when I woke up, uh, I woke up to this, just snow covering everything, and it was just a, a gorgeous, gorgeous morning, and just a great day, again, to, to bask in this. But wherever your favorite place is, uh, it, it points to God's glory. It points to it. Uh, in verse two, it says, "Day after day, they pour forth speech, night after night, they display knowledge. God's creation is always pointing to His glory, day or night. Like I said, some of you for some of you, it was the morning, some of you it was the afternoon, some of you it was the evening, but you were able to see God's glory regardless of what time of day it was. I want to show you this image. Who can identify what this is? Big Dipper. I I heard it said a few times, yeah, this is the Big Dipper. One of the most widely recognized, at least in North America, one of the most widely recognized constellations in the night sky. Most people look up and can identify, yep, there's the Big Dipper. They can point it out. Now, Here's part two of the little quiz. Can anyone, outside of high schoolers, because <laughs> we talked about this before, can anyone name any of the stars? Any of the stars in the Big Dipper? North Star is not in the Big Dipper. The, the Big Dipper points to the North Star, but the North Star is not in the Big Dipper. We, we've got... Uh, Doobie, does that sound familiar to anybody? Merrick, Megrez, Alkaid, and this other star named Alioth, and there's there's a couple more in there. But here's the thing: see, the stars aren't really there, shining like, hey, look at me. Rather, when we look at, when we look at these stars, we aren't like, wow, look at that one, and look at that one, and look at that one. Man, Megrez is really just. I mean, it's just outdoing itself tonight. No. We, we just look and we see a picture. We see the Big Dipper. And each one of those stars is there contributing to that bigger picture. And we're taking this idea, uh, we're taking this image in high school, in the high school ministry here at church, and we're calling our group Alioth. Because in the same way that these stars are there to shine Towards a bigger picture. I want each student that comes through our high school ministry to shine towards a bigger picture. I want each student to contribute to a larger picture, and that is Christ. And not just to shine for their own glory. Hey, look at me. Look at all the awesome things that I am doing. Aren't I great? But rather, yeah, look at the awesome things I am doing. Isn't God great? And that's really where we're running after with our high school ministry. But I wanted to point that out to you. Day and night, the stars point to God's glory. I, I, this, this came into my head. God gave this to me while I was up at Hume Lake, which was just cool. I mean, I, I just love it up there. Um, I was lying down and just looking up at the stars, and I, and I saw the Big Dipper. It was gorgeous. It was dark all the way around. You know, I could see it nice and clearly. And I asked myself that question, what are the names of those stars? I have no clue. But isn't it cool how when we look, we see a picture and not individual stars? In the same way, I want these students, when people look at them, I want them to see Christ. And that's that's what we're striving after with Alioth. Day and night, God deserves our adoration. And everywhere, <clears throat> in verses 3 and 4, it says, there is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. It's talking about the heavens. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. All around. It's, a, it's like a universal language. Everybody understands... The heavens. Everybody understands the stars. Everybody uh, gets the idea of creation. Now, not everyone believes in the idea of creation, but everyone looks at the same stars. Everyone looks at the same sky. Everyone interacts with the same earth. It's everywhere. In fact, in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, it talks about this. It says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. That verse is saying there is no reason to miss the fact that there is a God. There is no reason to miss the fact that there is a creator. Just look around you and ask yourself the question, how could this have come around by chance? How could this have happened by chance? No, this was made. This was created. And this is all here to point to God, to point to his glory. He continues on, and David continues on in the psalm and, and talks about the sun. He talks about the radiance of the sun. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run its course. Uh, and here's the interesting thing about the sun. He says, hey, God pitched a tent for the sun. God is greater than the sun. Now, before David's time, people worshiped the sun. In David's time, people worshiped the sun. After David's time, even today, people worship the sun. It's big, it's in the sky, it gives us the heat, it allows us to grow, allows things to grow, etc., etc., But David here is saying, no, 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 it's not about the Son. It's about who made the Son. It's about the Creator. Flip uh, a couple pages back to Psalm 8. Because this is another uh, passage that just talks about this idea. Psalm 8. And there's something really cool in this passage that we learn a little bit more about our Creator, about our God that deserves our adoration. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth! You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The Son of Man that you care for Him. Anybody ever felt that before? I know I have. I look up at the stars. I look at creation. I go, who am I? Why do I deserve to receive your love? But look at what God did. You made Him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned Him with glory and honor. You made Him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under His feet all the flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Guess what? All of this that was created was for us. God made it for us. He created and then He said, here, this is for you. Rule over it. Enjoy it. Live in it. All of this is for us. And so... What can David say? But just simply, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Flip back over to Psalm 19. We're going to hang out there the rest of today. But I wanted to point that out because God has given us this creation. And so our response should simply be, yeah, God deserves my adoration. I stand in awe of You. Holy God to whom all praise is due, I stand in awe of You. Praise isn't due to Him because He did anything. Praise is due to Him simply because He is God. You know, Yes, it's true that we worship God uh, because of the things that He has done for us. We, we worship Him because He sacrificed for us. We worship Him uh, because He has forgiven us. Uh, But really, outside of all of that, we should still worship him. He deserves our worship. He deserves our adoration, simply because he's God. The, The best way I could try to explain this is, you know, if Barack Obama walked in our door this morning, regardless of what your political view is of him, I would hope you would give him some sort of respect. Treat him with some sort of dignity. Simply because he's our president. For no other reason than that. Just because he is who he is, he deserves our respect. Now, it's a huge jump to go from there to God. Uh, but... Uh, That's the idea that I want you to catch. God deserves our respect. God deserves our adoration. God deserves our worship, not because of anything that He has done, but just because of who He is. He is God, and thus, because of that and nothing else, He deserves our adoration. He deserves our worship. Our lover is holy. And through creation, we can see that He deserves our adoration. Second, He deserves our devotion. I talked about general revelation, and specific revelation is the other way that God has shown Himself to us. Through general revelation, through creation, we can see that, yes, God is there. But we don't get a, a good, detailed picture of who He is. Similar to the fact that you can pick up a watch and say, hey, somebody made this, but I couldn't tell you that that person has a couple of kids, you know, that they really like to play softball, uh, you know, that their favorite color is yellow, whatever. Like, I can't get that from just looking at the watch. In the same way, there's a lot of things that we cannot get about God simply just by looking around at creation, at what he has made. We can see a little bit about him, but not a lot. And so God has revealed more of himself to us through his word. And that's what specific revelation is. God has revealed Himself to us through His Word. And through His Word, we can see that He deserves our devotion. David continues on in Psalm 19 and just starts talking about God's Word. Starts talking about what He has given to us, what He has told us. He calls it the law. He calls it the statutes. He calls it the precepts. He calls it the commands, the fear, and the ordinances of the Lord. And then he goes on and tells us what it is and what it does. He says, look at God's law. Look at what it is and then look at what it does. So let me show you just in a nice little chart form. Some of you like charts. Um... It's perfect. It's trustworthy. It's right. It's radiant. It's pure. And it's sure. Some versions would uh, talk about it in a couple of other words. Clean, true, are some other ways that this has been translated. But then look at what it does. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Reviving the soul. God created Adam and Eve in the garden. God created them perfect. And then they made a mistake. A big mistake. They blew it. And because of that, they were not in tune with God in the way that they first were when he created them. They weren't connected with Him. Their relationship was severed. And so God has given us His law, His word. And one of the things that it does is it revives the soul. It brings us back to where we used to be in our relationship with God. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says that all Scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thoroughly equipped, bringing us back to where we used to be. Reviving us. It's got that little prefix, that re. Reviving us. We were in communion with God. The relationship has been severed. But the law of the Lord is perfect and revives our soul. Brings us back to where we used to be. Brings us back to that right relationship with God. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Makes the simple wise is another thing that God's law does. Mackenzie, are you sitting in here? Yeah? All right, Mackenzie. So our high school group uh, meets the second and fourth Tuesday of every month, which this coming Tuesday is a second Tuesday. So high schoolers, I hope to see you. We meet at Starbucks. It's a great thing, you know, show up, get a tasty drink, and then sit down and talk about God's word together. It's it's awesome. And uh, Mackenzie showed up one time, and uh, I was like, Mackenzie, are you adventurous? I-, I want you to try a drink. Do you remember what it is? Okay, give me some of it. Mm-hmm. Peppermint chocolate. And what kind of drink is it? A Frappuccino. And did you love it? Yeah. Fantastic, right? So I, I used to work at Starbucks. I, I told McKenzie about this drink. I said, here, you've got to try this. It's not something that's up on the board. You've know, you got to say you know, blah, 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 blah. You, you know, it, it takes about a minute or two to actually say the whole name of the drink. Um, you know how that goes with Starbucks. Uh, but so I, I told it to him. I said, here, go and try this. And he went... And he tried it. And did you love it? Have you had it multiple times since then? Yeah. Absolutely. Right? Now, I, I, I'm going to burst your bubble just a little bit. I did not make up that drink. It wasn't me. In fact, my sister, who worked at Starbucks before I did, she was the one that said, Ben, you've got to try this drink. And explained it to me. So for me, turning around and explaining it to Mackenzie, the credit shouldn't fall on me. Right? Because I'm the simple. And I was made wise by my sister saying, here, try this. We're going to come back to that in just a second. But the law, God's law, God's statutes, what He has given us, can make us wise. I mentioned 2 Timothy 3, those were verses 16 and 17. If we go back two verses, uh, we, we hear a challenge saying, uh, <clears throat> Paul is saying to Timothy, continue to dive into God's Word, continue to read it, uh, don't stop. He says, You know how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. In Psalm 25.9, it says that he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. He guides the humble. Now, here's what I want you to catch with this making wise the simple. Here's the important part. Okay, uh, Through God's law, we can become wise. But it's not to our credit. It's not to our glory. In the same way as, you know, I, I showed Mackenzie this drink, if he turned around and said, Ben, you're so creative, you're so great at making up drinks, that would have been false, and I should never have taken that credit, which I don't remember if I told you then that my sister made it up, or I, I don't remember how it came out, but, um, the credit should never fall on me because I wasn't the one that made it up. Rather, the credit should go to my sister or maybe somebody else told it to her. I don't know. You know, These things just kind of make their way around. But as we look at God's law, as we continue to grow in wisdom, don't we ever dare to pat ourselves on the back and say, look how wise I am. Look how great I am. I love how... Making the simple wise is paired with trustworthy. The law of the Lord is trustworthy. Making wise the simple. We can trust it. We can say, when God tells us to do something, when God says, here's how I want you to live, we can trust that. When I tell Mackenzie, Mackenzie, here's how I want you to order, he can trust me. Because he knew, yeah, I used to work at Starbucks. So I have some knowledge of this. He can trust in in my telling him, here's what I want you to do and receive from that. But if he turns around and tells somebody else, hey, try this drink, aren't I creative? He's, He's missing the whole point. And in the same way, if we look at God's law and continue to gain wisdom from it and then turn around and say, look how great I am. Look at how well I'm living my life. We're missing the point. We only have our wisdom because we have someone who is trustworthy, someone who we can rely on and say, yeah, God knows what he's doing. I can trust in his directions. I can trust in his commands. I can trust in his way, knowing that if I follow him, I'm going to be led in right paths. And so, as we continue to grow in wisdom, the credit should go to God and not to ourselves. The law, the statutes are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. Giving joy to the heart. Sorry, I just wanted to toss one last verse in there in the trustworthy and making wise the simple. Proverbs 3 7. You can write that down. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. It is not our wisdom. The precepts are right, giving joy to the heart. Now, does that mean that everyone that sits down and opens up God's word and reads it receives joy? Well, the simple answer is no, because we can all say, you know, maybe even in our own lives, yeah. I've sat down and read God's Word before and did not find any joy. I was uh, reading in this book earlier this week and had to share this with you because I think this is what really helps explain this. Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon is one of the greatest uh, evangelists, one of the greatest preachers uh, really of all time. God really gave him a huge gift. And uh, he spread God's word throughout England and through the rest of the world. Charles Spurgeon's father and grandfather were both pastors. And Charles spent his childhood years happily devouring theology books in their libraries. At seven, he learned to read Latin, Greek, and Hebrew. But, although Charles was learning the Bible backward and forward, he was spiritually dead. He didn't know Jesus. He felt a growing misery he didn't understand. One day, the 15-year-old Charles attended a service where an inexperienced preacher taught the way to salvation through faith in Jesus. That's when Charles began an explosive relationship with Christ that would shake the world. His impact is still reverberating in millions of lives today. A miracle life started with a miracle relationship. And that's the key. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. You will receive that joy when you have that relationship with a holy God. When you have that relationship, then you can receive that joy. The precepts are right, giving joy to the heart. And again, that joy comes when we have that relationship. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Giving light to the eyes. It helps us see our sin. It helps us see our need for Him. When we dive into God's law, when we read it, we realize how inadequate we are. Hopefully. If you're reading carefully enough, and it doesn't have to be that careful, because it says it over and over about how holy God is, the way that we should live, and how inadequate we are. And as I read it, I go, every day, I go, man, I'm missing the mark. God is so holy and asks so much of us. And the more we read His Word, the more we understand our desperate need for Him. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure and it endures forever. Psalm 119, verse 9, says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. This word is pure, and endures forever. Matthew 5.18 says this, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. <clears throat> and then finally, it says, uh, the ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. So, five times he says something that the law, the law does. And then the last time he just says that it's sure and altogether righteous. But I want you to look at these. The things that God's law does. Benefit. 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 And sometimes we sit down and we look at God's law and we, ah, it's time to read my Bible. (sighs) Okay. Here we go. And it's a struggle for us to to open up our Bible. And, And like I said, it does point out our sin. And it's a challenge sometimes for us to sit and read it. And we might not want to because, man, I don't want to open it up because I know I'm going to be told I'm not living my life the way I should be. I don't want to be told that. I don't want to read that. And so we leave it on the shelf or we don't read it or we, we read the parts that we really like, you know, the parts that we've underlined a couple times and we keep coming back to those and, you know, I like these because these, these say that I'm doing okay and I don't want to read these other parts. But, but look, as, as David describes God's law, he says, here's why you should dive into it. Here's why God deserves our devotion Because it's going to revive your soul. It's going to make you wise. It's going to give joy to your heart. It's going to give light to your eyes. It endures forever. It lasts. Look at all the things that God's law is. And you know what I see in there? Reliability. It's perfect, trustworthy, right, radiant, pure, sure. This is something that you can continue to count on. This is something that you can continue to go back to and say, yes, that's a guarantee. A lot of other things are up, you know, they're they're question marks, but this law, God's law, God's word is a guarantee. It's sure. I know I can trust in it. I know I can continue to rely on it. Many of you use Google Maps. Google Maps are are wonderful. Uh, If you've got a smartphone, you can, you know, on the fly, find directions to somewhere. But if you've ever gone and and printed out directions in Google Maps, down at the bottom it says this. These directions are for planning purposes only. You may find that construction projects, traffic, weather, or other events may cause conditions to differ from the map results, and you should plan your route accordingly. You must obey all signs or notices regarding your route. (laughs) Can you imagine some guy getting pulled over by a cop? Uh, You didn't stop at that stop sign. Well, Google Maps told me to keep going. Uh, uh, <laughs> now, Gria, just for you, I went to Bing. Gria works for Microsoft. Uh, and he's all about Bing Maps. So you go and print directions from Bing Maps, and it says this. These directions are subject to the Microsoft Service Agreement. <laughs> which, <laughs> as we all know, is is a good read, you know? Uh, <laughs> and for informational purposes only. No guarantee is made regarding their completeness or accuracy. Construction projects, traffic, or other events may cause actual conditions to differ from these results. Good to know. Yahoo Maps. When using any driving directions or map, it's a good idea to do a reality check and make sure that the road still exists. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Watch out for construction and follow all safety, traffic safety precautions. This is to be used only as an aid in planning. So what am I supposed to do? A dry run before I actually go to this person's house? Oh nope, that road's gone. Okay. This is such an out for you know the programmers that are like updating the maps. Ah, I don't feel like doing it this week. Don't worry, we got the disclaimer. It's okay. We'll we'll update the roads next week, you know? MapQuest. Directions and maps are informational only. We make no warranties on the accuracy of their content road conditions, or route usability, or expediousness. (laughs) Uh, I don't don't know. I didn't write this. Uh, You assume all risk of use. (laughs) You! MapQuest and its suppliers shall not be liable to you for any loss or delay resulting from your use of MapQuest. (laughs) Boy, that really makes me want to use MapQuest now. No, it doesn't. (laughs) It's so unreliable. And we look at something like that, and you know, we, I mean, many of us don't really even think about it. We just use it and count on its reliability. And when it's wrong or when it tells us something off, you know, it tells us to take a U-turn when we can clearly, like, turn left before then, or whatever it may be, we get frustrated with it. We go, hey, this isn't right. But see, God's law, we can continue to count on. And here we're talking about something that's, it's the internet. It's updated constantly. And we can't rely on that. But God's law, the last stroke of the pen, was 2,000 years ago. It was done being written 2,000 years ago. And it's still sure. It's still perfect. It's still trustworthy. It's still right and radiant, and pure. We can continue to count on God's law. He deserves our devotion. On your little uh, sheet in your bulletin, underneath each thing, there's a few questions. How much do you value God's Word is one of the questions that I ask. Underneath, He deserves our devotion. By the way, these questions are there uh, for community groups to sit down and go through. A lot of community groups follow through the sermon series and talk about these questions. But they don't just have to be for community groups. Take them home. Talk about these questions with your family. Dive into them yourself. Use it as a quiet time this week. Under each one, I, I put some, uh, an optional challenge for you to dive into other psalms and see that it's being talked about in other psalms as well. But this one I want say, read Psalm 119. Longest chapter in the Bible. But dive into it. It holds God's law to the utmost height. Gives it the utmost respect. One of my teachers in high school, I went to a Christian high school, I really liked how he valued God's Word. He would never let his Bible sit on the floor. Ever. He said, this is God's law. We need to treat it with respect. God deserves our devotion because of his law, because of what it is. And then finally, he deserves our obedience. He deserves our obedience. It's one thing to dive into God's law. It's another thing to do something with it. If you look in Psalm 19, uh, down in verse 11, a lot of commentaries group verse 11 with, with the rest of them, uh, with, with 10 and all the way up to verse 7. But I saw it as a, as, as a slight shift as David's talking. In verse 10, he talks about how much he values God's Word. He says, They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. And then in verse 11, he says, By them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Remember, we talked about all these rewards. But you only get them if you keep God's Word. If you do something with it. He's challenging you. He's pushing you to say, don't just read it. Reading it is not enough. You've got to read it and then take the next step and actually do something with it. Actually interact with it. And he starts talking to God. In verse twelve, he says, "Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Forgive my hidden faults." He's he's saying a prayer to cover those sins that uh, he may have done inadvertently, or those sins that he may have done a while ago and have forgotten about, and haven't gone and asked for God's forgiveness. He's not talking about sins that like, he's hiding from God. That he knows he did, but he's hiding from God. Because you can't hide anything from God. Rather, he's talking about those sins. I, 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 I may have messed up. I may have done something wrong that I wasn't aware of. Or, God, I might have done something and then forgot about it. I'm a human. I make mistakes. So he's saying, forgive my hidden faults. And before that, he says, who can discern his errors when we compare ourselves to God's holiness? We'll never measure up. Who can start going and saying, okay, well, here's about where I am in comparison to God. You know, I'm, you know here's the couple things that I'm missing. No, like there's just so much more to God that we can never say, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm starting to live right. Yep, yeah, I can live this entire next week Perfectly without a single error. None of us can discern all the errors. And when we measure ourselves up to God, which, by the way, that's the only person you should ever measure yourselves against. Don't measure yourselves against other people. Jesus condemns that. You know, two guys go in and pray, and and, and one of them says, God, thank you that I'm not like those people over there. Look at how good I'm doing. Jesus says, that's not how we should pray. That's not how we should think of ourselves. We don't compare ourselves to each other. We compare ourselves to God. That's the standard. That's the mark. He continues on in verse 13, and he says, Keep your servant also from willful sins. So these are the ones that we do know we're doing. These are the ones that we're spitting in God's face and saying, I know what you told me, but I'm going to go and do something else. He's saying, Keep me from that. May they not rule over me. May they not rule over me. If those sins are starting to rule over you, guess who's driving? You are. You're in control of things. He's saying, I don't want those to be in charge. I want you to be in charge, God. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to rule over me. He's giving God lordship instead of the world with the world. And the beautiful thing about the tail end of verse 13, he says, Then will I be blameless, innocent of great transgression. Within God's holiness, there's forgiveness. Sit in that today. Within God's holiness, there's forgiveness. And then in verse 14, and Psalm nineteen is, is a psalm I have continued to come back to. And I was first made aware of it when I read the last verse. And then I read all the rest and I was like, oh wow, this is really good. Look at verse 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. There's a lot that's said right there. The words of my mouth. These are the things that other people get to hear. These are the things that are coming out of us. The words of my mouth. Everything that I'm saying. Everything that's coming out of me. May all of that, and think about how much some of you talk in a day. I talk a lot. Way more than I should. And all of that that comes out, I want all of that to be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Oh, and by the way, May the meditation of my heart. That's the stuff that doesn't come out. Those are those thoughts that we have throughout the day. Those desires of our heart that we know we shouldn't have. The things that we're dwelling on. The things that we're continuing to think about. The things that we keep coming back to that, you know, we might not tell a soul. But we know that are there. Things that we're constantly rolling through our minds that are not honoring to God. He says, may all of that, the things that are coming out and the things that are remaining inside, may all of that be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. If nothing else sticks with you today, walk out of here with that. Walk out of here endeavoring to pray that prayer. It's a challenging prayer to pray, but that's a right place to be. Our lover is holy, and he deserves our obedience. He deserves our obedience. See, the beautiful thing about these uh, these three things is that it's a process. As we get to know God, God deserves our adoration. We look around at creation; we see, yeah, there is a God. For some, that takes a long time to get to. For others, it, it comes fairly quickly. Some may not ever get there. But I hope and I pray that as you continue to see the world around you, that you see evidence of a creator, evidence of somebody that made everything we look at. And so we begin to adore. And then he deserves our devotion. Now that we've seen him we want to get to know him more. We've seen generally who he is and now I want to find out more about him. I want to start living my life after him. I want to dive into his word. And then he deserves our obedience. And now that I've dove I've 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 spent time in his word, I want to start obeying it. I want to start doing something with it. It's a process. He deserves our adoration. So, this week, adore him. Spend time just at his feet, worshiping. He deserves our devotion. So, devote yourself to him. Dive into his word, get something out of it every day. He deserves our obedience. So obey Him. Our lover is holy. Exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness. This psalm points to that and says, in a sense, woe is me. I pale in comparison to this holy God. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God, please let that be our prayer today. Please help us, God, to walk out of here ready to adore you, ready to devote ourselves to your word, and ready to obey. God, help us continue to see our desperate need for You. God, even as we're mowing our lawns or pruning our trees, God, just driving to work, let us see the beauty around and give You praise. And then, God, just let us continue to be devoted to Your Word and to obey You with our whole hearts be with us today as we walk out of here. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen.